Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. If you're interested in Tesla, don't miss Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast hosted every week by me, Ryan McCaffrey, a longtime Tesla owner and super fan. On episode 200, I had Elon Musk on for an hour. On episode 220, I talked to Tesla's chief designer, and I'm also there at every big Tesla event covering it in person. Ride the Lightning recaps and analyzes everything happening with the world's biggest EV automaker each week. Hear about the latest Cybertruck developments, the next-gen Roadster, the Model S Plaid, plus the newest updates to the Model 3, X, Y, and more. New episodes have been dropping every Sunday since 2015, so jump in and enjoy. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast service, or check it out at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We've got a great show. We've got the head of editorial from Motor Trend Group, Ed Lowe, here. But before we get started, here's Geico. Would you love to save some money on your insurance? Of course you would. And who doesn't love a deal? When it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even your homeowners, condo, or renter's insurance. They are all covered with GEICO. Save even more with special discounts when you bundle coverages together. Plus, they have an easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-7 roadside assistance, so it's easy to switch to GEICO. It's a no-brainer. Switch today and see just how much you could save at GEICO.com. Go there and get a rate quote or contact a local agent. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Oh man, it's alright. So today's gonna to be an interesting day. There's a there's a traffic issue. There's a some kind of big wreck on the freeway out here, and those of you listening really don't care. But uh it just means uh either no Adam or late Adam, we're not quite sure. He's called a few times from the car. Um we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wing it and see how it goes. But luckily we have a guest here in the studio with us. We have Ed Lowe. Ed is the head of editorial at Motor Trend Group. How are you, Ed? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me here. I'm bummed Adam's not here. I can do an Adam impression of, of, of the call. He's probably like, oh, my God, the traffic. It's terrible. I'm, I'm, I'll be there when I can get there. Start without me. <laughs> it's it's kind of how it went. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, how it went. Um, so Motor Trend – Ed, you've been there for a long time. You've worn a few hats over there. You've uh, you've been the boss for a while, but a lot of things have happened in Motor Trend over the years. Man, I think maybe you and I bumped into each other or first met ten years ago ish, maybe at an auto show, and then uh, then I think Adam came by and we did. Uh, he did the um, hosted uh, some awards for you guys, yep, right? Yep, so we yep. were there for that. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I know we pass each other a lot at different events uh, and uh, car debuts and auto show press days, And uh, but it's good to have you in the studio. But there's been a lot from Source Interlink to the Motor Trend Group to the big focus on, on uh, video content. Um, man, kind of a wild ride. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, it's, wow, you said Source Interlink. It's so strange. So that's the parent <laughs> company that was one of the parent companies. Well, well, Prime Media, I guess, before that. Well, so <laughs> if you want some inside baseball, I think, I don't know where, I guess I don't know where, where, we used to call it Pepsi 
and then it was like Pepsi Pepsi Ten, and I guess it's now Pepsi Ten Discovery because before originally it's it's uh, Peterson Publishing. Yeah. So that was the first one, and then Pepsi starts kind of with Prime Media, and then EMAP, um, and then Source Interlink, and then Ten was the Enthusiast Network. That's, that's what right. We, that's yeah. what we became, and then we did a joint venture. So we're now in the disco- the Discovery portfolio. So Discovery TLC ID. Um, and now they're doing a big merger. They're taking over uh, Warner. With Warner, yeah. Yeah. So it's it has been crazy. Um, oh so God. the politics side, that sort of the behind the scenes side, how has it changed for us, for the for the readers, for the content consumers? How is that sort of? How have you been able to sort of navigate the right. waters to to you know keep the brands alive? Right. No, so when I joined, I, and I joined back, I feel like a dinosaur now. It's I, I'm like I'm not like the old guy in the room. I just sold somebody this. This is so weird. But I started in 2006, 2006 at the company. I was at uh, Sport Compact Car, uh, editor in chief. I was working for Angus McKenzie, mm-hmm. the tall Australian. Sure, we know Angus. Yep, and um, you know he he left the country years ago. <laughs> well, not that no, well, a, couple, a couple of years ago. He moved. Uh, he moved back to London, where yeah. where, where where we poached him from uh, initially. Um, but he asked me to join Motor Trend staff in 2007, and I was like, I first told him like, no way, man. Like, why would I? Why would I leave running my own team to join this kind of big? dorky you guys motor trend counts cup holders and like he drives minivans and stuff but he made a very compelling case and i'm really glad i did but yes back then we were really still i hate to say we were still sort of pre-digital we had a website Mm -hmm. we were growing it we had a dedicated uh online editor for that but it was still very much the mentality was print first you know stories for the magazine and then you turn them into digital stories and i'm happy to say thank god in the definitely in the last 10 to 15 years, we've, we have upended, we've turned it from a magazine first to a digital first uh, sort of media house. We focus intensely on content for MotorTrend.com. And then, of course, all the ca- – I call it the Amazon River. Everything flows out of MotorTrend.com. Social media, we send out newsletters, video, our YouTube channel. Everything comes out of um, that content. So that's probably the biggest change for us. Of course, there's tons of things that have happened within the vehicle space and the way we cover them. Um, but yeah, I mean, happy to chat about any of it. How did how did some of the brands and the content? So Source Interlink, there was all the magazines, all these books, and there was a lot of publications, a lot through acquisition and some sort of homegrown, and some big brands like you talked about that were sort of the crux of the company: Motor Trend, Hot Rod, but you know. Uh, you know, Sport Compact was a brand, uh, Car Street, Audio Electronics, right. Super Street, Muscle Mustangs, and Fast Forge. Yep. There was a lot of brands. Um, and in, over the years, there's been some consolidation yep. and been some like a Mustang, a vertical online. And then I'm not sure if that's still quite happening. Uh, is What's going on with those? Do we What do we have – as far as the enthusiast publications versus like the new car, you know, whatever you guys are categories right. in that section. That's a great question. And we actually have it basically set up that way. So we have sort of like our, we, we have our new car content, which we cover under the motor trend brand primarily. And then we have what we consider the aftermarket. And we have that divided up into two categories right now. One we call performance and the other one is sort of truck and off road. And under the performance brands, it's led by hot rod. Basically everything mm-hmm. is now under the hot rod banner. All of the brands that you know, we've consolidated 
we have had to shut down some of them. Uh, they were they just weren't sustainable businesses. Um, and then on the truck and four by four side, it's led by Four Wheeler and Truck Trend. Um, those are sort of the the two main houses within the new car vertical. We also have a very strong uh, car shopping team. So mm-hmm. basically, our new car buyers guide. We have some car rankings, all the stuff to service this audience, which we sort of generally define as. People who are interested in shopping for a car, they're going to come to us. They're going to read us. But we're, we're very uh, wide-eyed. Uh, we're, we're, we know that they also read everybody else. They're just car shoppers. They may not like love the car. It's like something I need to get from work to home, point A to point B. We have car enthusiasts, new car guys. Come, they read Motor Trend every day. They're not shopping for a car. And then we have all these enthusiasts, DIYers who love our aftermarket brands and want to go read about you know, 69 Camaros or their CJ5 Jeep and how to make it a better rock crawler and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about the aftermarket side of it for a second because it's kind of an interesting time. It's like the aftermarket companies, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the aftermarket space. We go to SEMA every year. We, we create some content there. We meet with a lot of, you know, talk to a lot of the builders. And it just seems like as cars get more and more complicated, a little more complex, you know, car manufacturers don't want you to open the hood. They don't want you to do anything anymore. There's a few car companies that are embracing it. But in this time where things get more and more sort of locked down or proprietary to the manufacturers, we still see the aftermarket world seem to be growing. Certainly, uh, you know, during during the last two years of, of, of COVID, I think sales are probably up 30 to 40% over, you know, over almost the entire aftermarket industry. Yeah, I mean, well, it's those who didn't, don't have supply chain issues, right? Like, uh, <laughs> like currently that we know a lot of folks, uh, especially those who are manufacturing overseas, are being hit by just the difficulty in getting products uh, to their warehouses and then off to customers. Uh, but I would agree, like there's a couple things that have gone on for sure. You know, the rise of electronics in vehicles um, have really made it difficult for the average sort of home guy at home to do a lot of modifications. You need like a computer science degree to do a lot of the tuning. Um, and then that, that has sort of the knock-on effect to the shops, right? There, there are fewer customers. Or to be honest, I mean, the one, one place to look at this really is in the car audio space. Yeah, Car audio is so good these days. First of all, the output, the sound, but then all the other stuff that we just – we now expect when you get into a car. Um, the fact that you can control the volume or you can advance the track or change the channel on the steering wheel, that mm-hmm. all that integration and then the giant screen and then the phone getting into that. I don't know anybody, none of my friends, they don't do car audio the way um, they used to. There's no upgrading the head unit. So that market is sort of tanked. Um, and you're seeing as electronics creep out the car, that's happening to, I think, a lot of other uh, parts of the vehicle. And then the other thing is, holy crap, we live in like the golden age of horsepower. Yeah, right. So how much, how much more horsepower do you actually need do you want to put into – I don't think a lot of folks are doing a lot of these modifications um, to, to the newer cars. Certainly the older stuff, uh, these advances in technology are unlocking a lot of great um, you know, performance gains for the older vehicles. And I just look at – I went to SEMA this past year and I was wandering around – the GM booth and just stunned at their their crate motor program. Yeah, and it's like holy. And then now they're exp- they're expanding into the EV space. So, uh, you know, it's it's wild. I think the the last thing I'll say about this is um, 
the right to repair, all these people pushing for the ability to fix their Teslas or their EVs or even their iPhone, like give me the right to actually open this thing up. I don't want to be locked into your to your universe. I think that's a space to watch because it will create more opportunities for the aftermarket if we can get into these black boxes that have sort of previously been, um, you know, unaccessible. Yeah, you know, there's – yeah, we're kind of leaning toward – in the aftermarket space, we're leaning toward the aftermarket companies to provide us with kits of some sort um, that now become, uh, you know, I don't want to say DIY is the right term, but something that has sort of a an instruction guide because some of the hard work is done, some of that planning is done, maybe a little less at-home customization, especially in the tuning world and some things like that, but uh, – more ways to integrate with the new car, which is probably not a term we would have used 25 years ago. You want, we don't integrate shit on a, into a Fox body Mustang, right? right? We just worked on it. We just modified our stuff. We didn't do an integration of something, you know. Uh, but now we're getting to some companies are cracking the code, right? There's there's aftermarket companies, turbo kits, supercharger kits, aftermarket, you know, like you said, infotainment, audio system, upgrade some things like this is how you plug a phone in or another device into a factory system. But beyond that, the, the companies out there are, you're right, they're hiring software engineers, uh, look what what BMW and Dynan has done. Dynan has more software engineers than I think mechanics. Right. Uh, the guys at Lingenfelter are doing a lot on, on the programming side, but then being able to sell you a package to modify your car or you send your car to them and they send it back, you know, modified, tuned, dyno tuned, warrantied, you know. Yeah, I mean, the world is changing so fast in this space. Um, it's it's interesting, and it's 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 um, topical that you mention what BMW is doing and Dynan and Lingenfelter. But on the on the OEM side, I mean, this has been a hot topic for all the big car manufacturers. Is that they are fundamentally competing with startup EV manufacturers led by Tesla. They need more. Uh, skills, they need more expertise in the software space. They're, they need to hire all these guys. Um, VW's, uh, you know, had Herbert D said in like 2019, we're going to spend like billions of dollars and hire tens of thousands of software engineers. And it's, it, it the problem is real um, because these legacy car manufacturers, what they're, they're staring down the barrel of is um, this transition to software being in every part of the vehicle, from security to performance. Uh, and there's just not enough people right now to know how to do this kind of stuff. I mean, just today, actually, I don't know if you caught this news, but this morning, uh, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, announced uh, that they're, they're basically splitting Ford into two separate companies. One is called Ford Blue, and the other is called Ford Model E. And uh, Ford Blue is all about, like, the big blue the blue badge, internal combustion engines, mm-hmm. Bronco, uh, F-150, Mustang, like... That's going to be the engine that powers the development of Ford Model E, the other side of the company, which is all about EVs and the new the new technology, software driven that they're developing. So it's you know like Mach E, F one fifty Lightning, uh, Transit EV. This is the way. This is a big deal, uh, and every manufacturer is trying to figure out how to do this because of uh, this sh- this shift beyond electrification is is so uh, dramatic. What do you think of Ford's move? You think it's 
necessity or you think it's just super smart move? Maybe a little bit of both? It's 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 great. I'll, I'll tell you, they they went from kind of zero to hero uh, in now it's about 24 months. I would say 18 months ago, you know, it's re- and it really started with Jim Farley. Um, when he came aboard as a new CEO, you started to see a lot of things happen. I think these were plans he had, he had written out, but they started to really move on. Um, having Going from really not having a very cohesive or comprehensive uh, electrification plan mm-hmm. to having arguably one of the best or at least the clearest because um, they can point to, hey, we took these brand names that you all know. You know what a Mustang is. You know what an F-150 is. Uh, and we made them electric vehicles. Um, super smart. We didn't try to ram an all-new uh, vehicle down your throat, uh, like a, a brand-new EV that you'd never heard of. We took a brand-new new. I mean, F1, F-Series, number one selling vehicle in America for like over, what, something like 45 years. Totally obvious move. Make it an electric pickup truck. Yeah. And if you look at what they've done versus uh, GM, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around, they just announced that Silverado EV truck. Right. Um, but it doesn't look like it doesn't look, doesn't like, look exactly no. at all like the other. But, so that's a very different move, and it's. I think it's actually a pretty cool looking truck. It's got that kind of avalanche, you know. It's got the um, the mid gate system. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it um, it might work, but I can tell you the. I think the more conservative bet is you put out a vehicle that's the same same wheelbase, same body style. It looks for all intents and purposes. If you don't get the the fancy light bar across the front, if you get the the Ford Pro, the work truck version of it. Looks like an F one fifty. It's just silent, you know. And it's well, it's an interesting point. So Ford strategy is basically saying F one fifty is the best selling vehicle we have. Not to mention probably the best selling vehicle in, on the planet. We want to convert F one fifty owners to EV because we have to go that way at some point. Chevy says, "Why don't we try a a different design?" on the truck to see if we can get some conversion, but more new customers to the brand. I think they're trying to say, hey, maybe if you did, if you liked Cybertruck or Rivian or, and you want to be what's cool, what's right. new, you want the new toy, right? right? Chevy's saying, well, we want a little bit of that. This is what it feels like to me. Ford's saying we need to convert existing customers, right, and keep sales up. Chevy's saying, we want the hot new stuff. We want the new customer and maybe take a little bit of that market share. I think they both want to service both of those broad groups. of. They, they definitely don't want to tick off um, their existing customer base. And, they're, and to be clear, like we're, we're on the coast. We're, we're coastal elites. You know, we, <laughs> we're, we're surrounded by Teslas and, and now Lucids and now Rivians. I got three Rivians in my neighborhood. Um, there's, there's a big fat portion of the middle, mostly the middle of this country that is like – uh, what, guys, cool story. I don't have enough uh, electric charging stations near me, or it gets really cold. In fact, a lot of the feedback we get on every time we run an EV story is like, "Yeah, the product looks great, it looks real sexy. It's minus twenty degrees out right now, yeah. and you know, you got none of you guys are talking about how the range uh, totally goes like sideways when it's when it's that cold for that long. So there's a bunch of people that need converting. I will say that, and we didn't talk enough about what General Motors is doing. It's not just Silverado EV, right? General Motors deserves a lot of credit. They've been in the space uh, arguably the longest, right? They were the first out with the EV1 back in like 1996. Um, and they have a whole strategy that's bigger and as as, as longer. It's It was announced earlier than Ford's more recent pivot around like Ultium 
and it starts with Hummer H1, and you're going to get Cadillac Lyric. Silverado is just the tip of the spear for the Chevy brand um, when it comes to electrification, and it'll be the first of several products for them that are coming out all on this, uh, this Ultium architecture. Yes. Uh, hello. I'm here. <laughs> you're, you're here. We uh, we didn't get into the new podcast yet. Ed Lowe, he's got a he's got a new podcast coming out. It's called the Inevitable. 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 And uh, it's all about EVs. We're just starting to get into the EV is my mic uh, on? Yeah. world. Your your mic is on. Um, Hi Ed. Hi Adam. How are you? I'm good. How's traffic? Oh my god. <laughs> well, not only was I diverted, they, they closed the ramp. So they did the diversion thing where you go on the other ramp and then you go the wrong direction and then you get off the freeway and turn around and come back. But there was a huge wreck on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I got diverted and then I got pushed into this wreck. So um, <laughs> He said he saw a little bit on, on the way, so he came from the other direction. coming from like Pasadena? No, no, no. I came, from, I, I, I came up from the South Bay. I came up from Redondo Beach. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but there was a wreck on the, on the 110 to the 5. Yeah, a lot of wrecks. And uh, listen, um, I would like I, I'd like to do a little more of a have like a little more of a NASCAR or F one like approach. Like <laughs> every car's got a tow hook. Every every the wrecker just goes flying out there, hooks it up, and just drags just it drags the fuck it up, off. Just scoops it off the ground. Just a yeah. couple of pace laps, and then we're we're back to it's now back to full green. Yeah, they just I, shut everything down. You know when I was, uh, I know you've been out a million times in Colorado, but when I go to Colorado and you see the sign on the freeway that's like minor accident, move that shit off the side of the road. I was like, well, I don't know why we don't have that. People get right out of their car in the middle of the freeway and they start arguing with somebody who nicked the bumper in the back. I'm like, you're going to get run over. Yep. You're oh, just it happens. Over. It happens all the time. <laughs> well, when, when I brought that up to Gavin Newsom, basically, <laughs> if it steers, it clears, he just looked at me like, oh, what? What? And I said, you, you go to Idaho. They have signs. It said, you move it over. If you yeah. get in an accident, he's like, in Idaho? I'm like, why don't you know anything? He's what? not even heard of Idaho. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> well, that's where half uh, of California is moving, so he should wake up <laughs> he to He should wake up to it. To that. Uh, we're just getting into uh, this EV discussion of F-150 versus Chevy Silverado, just in that, you know, the thought was F-150, because there was a big Ford announcement this morning, um, uh, F-150 saying sort of converting new customers, taking tried and true F-150, making it EV. Mm-hmm. Chevy Silverado goes to a clean sheet of paper, designs something new, maybe tracks new customers, a little bit of the existing customer as well. But uh, uh, Ford's announcement this morning, Jim Farley, who we're you know, fans of, obviously, has been making some pretty big moves on how does a guy like uh, Farley take a 100-year-old company and pivot toward EV, but also pivot toward some of the some of the press that you know Rivian and Tesla gets and Lucid is getting, and how does it survive? How does it become profitable? How does it become legal? You know, Elon Musk has uh, very famously, you know, he's got lots of crazy tweets, but you know, Rivian goes public, Lucid goes public, they raise a lot of money, they get big valuations, and Elon says, "Congratulations, that is a huge feat." The business side. But mm-hmm. now you got to build cars, and you got to understand yeah. that's incredibly difficult. So there's going to be some amount of you got to be reasonable to think, hey, 
the Fords and the GMs of the world have a huge advantage, right? Especially if they're taking existing cars and building cars and relationships with vendors and suppliers and saying, we need to bring that EV component into it. But there is a lot of the car we know how to make. A lot of infrastructure. It it is so complicated, though. Like, you would think that they have a huge advantage from from the manufacturing expertise. I mean, you know, GMs have been doing this over 100 years. Um, but some, I was talking with somebody about this and uh, the thing that hadn't dawned on me, which is wild, is why all of these EV manufacturers are popping up and having great success, right? Started with Tesla. Tesla's had this huge lead. No one took them seriously for way too, you know, way too long. I mean, we're, we gave Tesla car of the year uh, 2013. So that was fall of 2012 when we, we, we'd done the program in the summer 2012. We gave them the award in November of 2012. That's 10 years ago. Basically, and that's a full model cycle changeover for a lot of these vehicles. And it's like you're still not seeing skateboard chassis underpinning a lot of these vehicles. I just drove here in a Hyundai Ionic Five, which yeah. is an awesome EV. Yeah, there's no frunk. There's the, the the motor, the battery. It's all under hood. Like guys, this, the the layout's been solved. Where are your products? And the, the, you've seen these in like Audi e-trons. You've seen this in some of these sort of half half steps to full electrification. Um, but then you look at because you look at what these these car manufacturers are doing, and they have so many so many businesses within their business. They have so much sunk cost. The thing that this guy told me was, you know why these EVs are able to do this? Because they don't have to build internal combustion engines. They don't have to have the factories, not only the factories, but the uh, the certification. You realize when you sell uh, an ICE, when you sell an internal combustion engine, you have to get it certified by the – it has to meet the Clean Air Act. It's got to meet all the rules and regulations in North America. Then if you want to sell it overseas, you've got to go through Euro, Euro 5. You've got to do all of these different things. If you start an EV manufacturer, you don't do with any of that stuff. And it's like, uh-huh, I see. <laughs> okay. But well, still, it, it, it's very, very, very expensive. Rivian announced yesterday that they were going to up prices across the board. I'm getting tweets from people who have orders and they're like, dude – my car, the price of my Rivian R1S SUV just jumped by fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Yeah. And it's like Rivian might be figuring out like, hey, this is uh, this production hell that Elon talked about. It's real. It's expensive. Yeah. So Rivian just announced and they, they sent a note all to the existing uh, order holders and said, you're going to have to pay more for the vehicle you ordered or – will sell you a lesser vehicle for roughly the same price. And the price jump on average is 17% for the for the for the truck and I think 20% for the SUV, yep. which is a big jump, but there was no concession. It was just sort of like the optics, the narrative of this, of this message was weird. It was like it is what it is. There's no like gift card, there's no hug, there's no, you know, like there's well, I you know, <laughs> for me I have a a building background, and I don't know if this is applicable or not, but like you know, the price of a sheet of plywood went from forty-two bucks to eighty-eight bucks, and the the guys building the houses just went, "Hey, man, whatever that, whatever I quoted you on that house, right. go ahead and kick that up." You still yeah. want a house? Yeah, yeah. yeah. here's and what it's going to cost. I don't know if that's what's going on. It, it but kind th- of is, yeah, because there was no real concession or anything. Like we said, it wasn't like, oh, but you get. To spend two hundred dollars in our parts and accessories, you know, at the dealer, you know, here's a gift card. It cost them thirty cents on the dollar. You feel like you got two hundred fifty dollars through through some free stuff. But yeah, but there was none of that, and they didn't like split the difference. They didn't say, "Listen, everything's more expensive and chip shortages and whatever." So all the orders that are here, 
we're going to split it with you. We're going to we're going to raise you seven and a half percent. We're going to cover the rest, but all orders after you know for twenty twenty four models, you're going to have to pay the twenty percent bump. They just said everything's more expensive, or you can buy less of a thing. And the you know I'm sure you're you're hearing it. I'm sure all the message boards. There's going to be pages and pages oh, yeah. of going. We're priced out of it because this wasn't you know. Look, it's not like it's the price jump on 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 the newest Ferrari it went from eight hundred thousand to eight hundred seventy five thousand, right? It, this is something that people were going to drive every day and use. So, y- y- yeah, getting four, five, six grand more, a lot of customers are priced out of the vehicle. When is the next break monetarily, price wise, going to be for the electric vehicle? Is there a threshold is there battery technology is there something that is going to go oh like the plasma tv right (laughs) yeah or you know i was thinking about um you take something like the um uh f1 um uh, um what's his name uh leno's car 93 uh F1. The McLaren F1. The McLaren yeah. F1. You know, and they go, well, when they built the McLaren F1, it took three guys three months to build the carbon fiber tub. And that got pushed along. You know, that price gets gets right. baked into the car because it takes three guys three months to make the tub or whatever it is. Yeah. Now it takes one guy half a day to make the tub. So, you know, you can get a McLaren for buck fifty or buck seventy five out there. You know, the, you see them out there. Um, is there a version of that with electric cars? Is there something where we go, the technology now, we can go from 50 grand, this will bring us you know, to the low 30s or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, I think you're talking about what, what is the next, what is the enabling technology that's going to get us to the next sort of waypoint in terms of affordability or availability of these vehicles yeah matt Mm -hmm. sorry for cutting you off but matt is dead nuts on with the plasma tv i mean you know a 90 inch plasma was 60 grand or something at some point now you know it's a best buy item i think that there certainly needs to be a, a a huge leap in uh sort of battery chemistry and there's a lot of people working on it we haven't seen at least as far as i know we haven't seen the the breakthrough moment the closest thing I think, honestly, you can look at is what Lucid's doing. Um, the, that Lucid Air, it's our car of the year. I got a, I got a, a deep dive walkthrough with their chief engineer, all the nerds up there at their headquarters uh, in Northern California. And they basically, you know, the car can do now 520 miles of range with their big battery. They've taken, it's the same idea that Tesla's always had. It's you know, individual cells, essentially, like laptop batteries, all lined up, awesome cooling. They're all networked. They talk to each other. They can, you can mitigate a fire if there's a fire in the cell. But they've made it, everything's like smaller, lighter, more efficient. The motor and inverter packs that used to be, you know, whatever, you know, three feet long, two, uh, a foot and a half tall, they're now they can fit into the size of a small uh, carry-on, like a 22-inch mm-hmm. uh, uh, rollerboard. And they're like 300% more efficient. Um, you add that all up. I mean, it's nothing. There's no. There's no huge like major leap in technology. They just made stuff smaller, lighter, more efficient, higher output. Great. But combined, the thing that they told me and the projects that they're working on is, turns out most people realize you don't need 520 miles of range. You don't need all this. It's a little bit of a freak out on the range anxiety. You can. We can now then sell you a car that maybe gets 250 miles of range, but the pack is now a quarter of the size. 
And then the next generation motors even smaller. And then once you get all this lightness and small, you can unlock. You can things are cheaper, things are lighter. Then the car itself goes below that that sort of magic thirty five thousand dollar threshold. Maybe it becomes thirty thousand dollars, and then ultimately, like you can sell a twenty five thousand dollar battery electric vehicle that now competes with the Honda Civic, a Toyota Corolla, and it can you can do everything you want. It's just not your super long haul vehicle. Yeah, I agree with you on the range. Um, I plug my Lincoln in, but it's, you know, it's, I get it's 18, 19 miles worth of range on it. But if I got 77 miles of range, I'm good. Like coming to work, mm-hmm. go home, drive out here, go do that, then plug it in. I, you know, this, this sort of thing of like, well, how are you going to get to Nevada? It's like, I don't know. When, when is the last time you drove to Nevada? I drive yeah. to Nevada once every, 11 years or something and uh, you could rent uh, an suv if if that's the case like the reality is is you know everyone kind of talks about the high-end threshold like i we gotta i have range anxiety i gotta get over 300 miles no really what you have to do is get over 50 miles because then you can get to work and back every single day and then pull in your garage and plug it in yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty simple it's just when it's way under the 50 that that's the problem you know we're we're i think we spent an inordinate amount of time focusing on the high end it's kind of bragging rights you know i can go this thing will go 477 miles on it sure I need to get 50 right. on the low end. That's mm-hmm. that's the one that'll get everyone into an electric car. And you said it at the top of that, which is you just plug your your car in at night. If, even at 18 miles, it's 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 recharged the next day and you're on your way. And that's something we found out when we first started sort of serious testing of these EVs and we had a Model S for a year. Everybody freaks out. You're like, "Oh my god, I got to get this thing topped off." It's like, "Dude, the thing is 265 miles of range." The first week you're charging it Every day at home, or you're go- like you're hunting for a supercharger to plug it into. By the end of the second week, you're plugging in every other night, if that. End of the month, you're just up. Oh, oh uh, yeah, I should probably just plug it in once a week because you don't you're not using that car that often. You think about how often you refill your your gas tank in your internal combustion engine car. It's probably like once a week or or more if you're you have some kind of long haul commute. The big problem that we need to figure out though is urban. Environments, multi-unit dwellings, apartments, mm-hmm. people who don't have garages, people who don't have easy access to even home charging or just an outlet somewhere they can plug in. That's going to be a huge hurdle uh, in terms of sort of mass adoption of electric vehicles. Yeah, and we're also going to have to upgrade that side of it, which is – because I've done this a few times. It's like you want to charge that Tesla up. You're in a single-family home, but forget about a multi-unit apartment. Right. And then it's like, well, get the old-school electrician over there, mm-hmm. the panels around the back of the house, the garage is on the other end of the property. we got to run conduit. we got to bust out some stucco. we got to get up right. in the crawl space. You know, it's a, it's a major yep. thing to get from that panel to the garage. And in an apartment or condo, it's it's that times 10. We really need to be working on some kit, some sort of version that doesn't involve a guy who gets 80 bucks an hour bending rigid conduit, but some sort of plug and play thing, some some version of something that could be tapped in, you know, something that is bespoke for this. So, you know, the charger, once you get to the garage, that's bespoke. That's that's for the Tesla. Getting it 
getting the power to that thing from 80 feet away, mm-hmm. that's from the 50s. Yeah. That's pulling wire, bending conduit, yep. busting stucco, cutting out some of the slab to run the thing in the ground. You know, like if we could upgrade that part, the part yeah. from the panel to the charger, make that much more accessible, kits, what, whatever. I mean, a lot of it could just literally be, you know, they got the cable from the charger that plugs into the car, but you're on your own from the panel to the charger. Yeah, there's no right. kit, there's no cable, there's no anything I'll that you, I'm aware of. That's great. I absolutely agree. Make that thing basically, you know, uh, uh, plug and play. But then the problem goes back even farther to the grid. To the grid. Yeah. And right. I, I just talked to a grid expert. They're like, we are screwed. Like, if our grid is so vulnerable, and then you start adding all this load. Imagine one of these downtown LA or, you know, uh, Westwood style high rises where every space or every other space has a, has a charger and they're all being used. What kind of load are we putting on the city on that, on that, on that area? Like, it's, uh, and then, of course, well, we got to go, you know, we had to do what Germany does, man, was shut down those power, nuclear power plants <laughs> and get some more wind and solar going to take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to, we got just a couple minutes left. Why don't you just hit that and then we'll plug the podcast and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah, sorry about the schedule, but now I got more pods stacking up <laughs> yeah. behind this one. I'll tell you about uh, Fume. This is uh, something that if you're thinking about, uh, Quitting uh, smoking, this is definitely going to be a help fume. The natural inhaler design for a better, safer, and uh, more natural way to quit the cigarettes. No smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for the – it's just a replacement for the hand-to-mouth of uh, smoking. Made of 100% Canadian maple and uses uh, cores infused with plant oils studied to curb cravings. All flavors are 100% natural, no harmful chemicals. No artificial flavors and basically no nicotine. Uh, I should say absolutely no nicotine. Over 50,000 customers around the world, thousands of five-star reviews. Quit naturally with Fume. And by the way, you can head to head to breathefume.com slash CarCast. Use a code CarCast. Get 10% off your entire order. Right, Matt? Yeah, you know, you're going to save on the cigarettes you aren't buying and save on your initial purchase of Fume. That's 10% off your entire order at breathefume.com slash CarCast. Use code CarCast. Quit naturally with Fume. Use code CarCast to save 10% off. Uh, Ed, so the podcast, is it's all about EVs? Yes, it's all about the future of mobility. It's me. It's uh, Johnny Lieberman, a you know our senior editor. We call him the food and beverage uh, director at Motor Trend. Uh <laughs> Big time. I make jokes about how he's now an influencer, but people know him from his Instagram, from YouTube. Uh, we chat. We've been we've done eight episodes so far. It's gone great. Uh, the inevitable. It's all about the future of mobi- mobility. We think mass adoption of electrification is inevitable. Hence the name. It's a it's a podcast by Motor Trend and Podcast One. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. There's video versions as well on YouTube on the Motor Trend channel. Uh, Ed, thanks so much. It's uh, on Instagram. It's Lowdown, L-O-H, Lowdown on Instagram, and he's Ed Low on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I think I think that covers it. Yeah. Sorry about the traffic snafu. You can go to amcarol.com for all the live shows. I'm coming to town near you. What do you got, Matt? I uh, just give me a follow at Motorator. We got some uh, stuff we're driving. Defender ninety, Aston Martin, Jaguar F Pace, some fun stuff. So, till next time, Adam Crawford, Ed Lowe, and Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. 
For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Would you love to save some money on your insurance? Of course you would. And who doesn't love a deal? When it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even your homeowners, condo, or renter's insurance. They are all covered with GEICO. Save even more with special discounts when you bundle coverages together. Plus, they have an easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-7 roadside assistance, so it's easy to switch to GEICO. It's a no-brainer. Switch today and see just how much you could save at GEICO.com. Go there and get a rate quote or contact a local agent. This February on Pluto TV, we're putting the spotlight on iconic black talent. Watch your favorite movies like Top 5, 48 Hours, and More Than a Game. And drop in to binge black TV classics like The Bernie Mac Show and Moesha. Pluto TV has hundreds of channels and thousands more movies and TV shows all for free. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start watching today. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. 